know, in terms of legacy, that was the day that maybe, you know, the Kiwi running community or whatever kind of saw the potential that I'd always see. So, um, yeah. He's getting emotional. Okay. <laughs> so this is an age thing, you get emotional easily. Tato. That was Ben and Yoni Keeps. I'm Matt Raymond. And I'm Eugene Bingham. And this is Dirt Church Radio. Interesting conversations with interesting runners. Eugene Francis Bingham, you know that I am it's a not my name. creature. Yeah, this person is not really Eugene. Uh, you know that I'm a creature. You mm. know that I'm a creature of habit. And mm. um, you're sending me all these other trail runs around Auckland. I know. I like, run in Riverhead. I get to about Thursday and I go, oh, 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 have a look at this. Yeah. And I send it to you and you run. Lynn Field. This is the Wild Things Challenges. So they've got the Shoe Science uh, Challenge, Autumn Challenge. Why Ko-Fi. Yeah. Uh, which is just one of the challenges they've got. They've got so many challenges on North all Coat. around Aotearoa. Uh, you can run from the bus to the brewery. All sorts of stuff. Yeah. Anyway, all over the place. And and what's more, if you keep an eye out on their Facebook page, you see how many prizes they give away for these things? No, I don't because I only run it overhead. Oh, my goodness. There's just so many prizes all available to you. All you have to do, sign up as a Wild Things VIP member, and then there's a little add-on that you put on to be able to do these challenges. But if you use the code to sign up as a VIP member, DCR2021. Well, it's DCR2021. It's easy to remember. It means you get 15 months Wild Things VIP membership, the price of 12. Mel's happy. You're happy because you get your 15 for the price of 12. And we're happy because he gives us a little bit of the old... Ooh la la, yeah. Yep. He does. And and in all seriousness, I mean, there's some amazing trails around the place, yes. uh, around Auckland that, you know, there is the Shoe Science Auckland Autumn Challenge at the moment. Get uh-huh. into it. It's, it's, yep. I mean, even if you, you know, you like a little corner of the world... Going further afield hmm. is, is, is not a bad thing. Anywhere you around the country, I bet you'll find a Wild Things Challenge to get yourself into. Get yourself running on some challenges, some trials that you're not used to. Go on, do it. Wildthings.club. Yeah. While you're out there running on new trails, mm. I mean, you could be wearing a pair of Scott Kinabalu RC Ultra. Just fantastic. That'd be a good choice. That would be a good choice. You could also... Versatile. Versatile. Speaking of versatile, you could be taking selfies of your Scott Kinabalu RC Ultra and putting your phone snugly in your Ultra Spire Zygoth mm. personalised phone pocket. Mm. Mm. Amazing. Sam, Sam Manson was doing photo shoot of his shoes at the airport the other day. I know. Do you think he was pulling it? Do you think he wears his vest, his Ultra Spire vest with the camera thing through the airport? So you can just easily get out and do the shoe selfie at the airport. I'm hoping he'd be more discreet from that, but he is the kind of he could pull that off and do a shoey. Yeah, and do a shoey <laughs> at the end. But if you go to scottrunning.nz or ultraspire.co.nz, you'll be privy to two of the most incredible brands who who keep us uh, in good and great stead. gear, great gear, yeah, and, and a great person behind mm. said brands. So amazing, scottrunning.nz and ultraspire. Dot co dot nz. Mm. And if you're in Otatahi Christchurch, yeah, you go to Further Faster. You could do. You could. You go to Further Faster, and their website is furtherfaster.co.nz. Normally we play the jingle now, but you're all hearing it in your heads as we're. I think we should play it anyway. I, I think we should play it anyway to reinforce. But again, I, one thing I will reinforce is, is Rocky. He never tires of it. 
He never tires of it. He really loves it if you actually go into the store and sing it, singing it, sing it, or maybe at his just face. like play it. Yeah, go in there, go in there, play it, play he the. Loves yep. it. He loves Instead it. Instead of the code, there's no code. If you go in there, you play, play the jingle. Rocky will see love what it. It, see what he'll give you. Yeah, honestly, he's gonna love it. Furtherfaster.co.nz. It goes something like further, faster, there in Christchurch. Rocky is hairy and so is Badger. Jules is nice and Jack is delicious. Go further, faster now. Go further, faster, there in Christchurch. Rocky is hairy and so is Badger. Jules is nice and Jack is delicious. Go further, faster now. Ditchitch Radio. But then I'm not the smartest man, Eugene, so... Well, what... How is your voice today? It's a little bit shot because every week, oh, episode 137, we, we made, made it. it but uh-huh. every week I drive Here's over. the story of how Matt makes it. Yeah, I make it. I drive over to Eugene's and I'll invariably put on something like that. Today it was at the drive-in and their 2000 album uh, Relationship Command and get all excited and sing along. And then we get here and, yeah, I need a bit of vocal warm-up, basically, <laughs> instead of just screaming my head off for 15 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> How's the chocolate and hot cross bun hangover? I, I didn't ha- I had a, a one piece of chocolate, uh-huh. and I think hot cross buns are the single most disappointing commemorative uh, food stuff in the world. There you go. I'm just going to drop the mic and say it. Boom. And a big call. Shit, half our listenership just dropped out right there. Well, I think. I mean, if you, if you, no. uh, actually, you know, uh, I mean, I agree, but you know, you can't help having them. Yeah, you can though, and you think about like this is just my thing. If you'd been through that, right? And then the way that it was commemorative. And I know, like, the Vatican's pretty flash, but, like, I made you these to commemorate that. It's a bun with the currants in it with a thing on the top. What is that thing made of? It doesn't even taste very nice. You're like, it's not. Is it icing? Thank you. Yeah, I'd be disappointed. I'd be like, could you do better? Hmm. Anyway. Oh, well. (laughs) Yeah, anyway. I mean, that's just me. That's just you. Yeah, this is a running podcast. Do the chocolate ones make it better? I didn't have any of those this year. And and that wasn't, uh, I'm not on some kind of kick. I just Mm. didn't have any this year. (laughs) Okie dokie. Matt Raymond hates Easter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway. What else do you hate? Yeah. (laughs) So, look, I mean, there was... Easter weekend, of course. Yes. Uh, so not so much in the way of racing, but plenty of people got out for epic missions by the look Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. Man, I, I tell you one thing. I did. I missed the Wild Things muster at Riverhead. You did as well. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> that looked really good. It did. Well, it looked like about 400 people there. Yeah, I was like, oh, that would have been really cool to do, but mm. uh, there you go. Yeah. So, mm. but anyway, that would have been fun. But this week... A double header. Yeah, which I sadly missed, uh, but I'm here for the links, so that, that that's what counts. Tell, tell us about it. Eugene. Yeah, well, Ben and Yoni keep. So the first father and son, we, we, let's get technical here, because they're the first father and son duo we've had on the show at the same time. Yes, but they're not the first father and son we've had. That no. would be Scotty and Jamie Hawker. It would be, yeah. yeah. Anyway, a couple of, you know, I mean, they're just powerhouses really, aren't they? Yeah. Both of them. Absolutely. Um, they both ran at Northburn, Ben in the 100 mile, and Yoni to celebrate his 21st birthday with 50 kilometres and yep. then crawling through the night. They're both involved with Speed Freaks that we've talked about a bit over the years, the group from Odyssey House Recovery Centre in Christchurch. And Ben recently paced Leo, the first Speed Freak to race in an ultra. Absolutely. Yep, and then he went into Old Ghost Road as well, Leo. Uh, well, and Ben and Yoni. Uh, and both Ben and Yoni are also volunteer firefighters and and involved in the family business Cactus Outdoors, which wow. manufactures that rugged clothing and packs and bags and stuff. So, and masks. Hamas, yeah. Yeah, we talked about that. 
So basically, you know, finding time to get them together for a call has been an absolute mission. Um, but we made it. And yeah. boy, you know, they were both amazing. You know. <laughs> and the irony of it is we were ready to go. We had the Zoom all set up. Yes. We were ready. And I, I missed it. Yeah, so it I wasn't possible work. to get four of us in the room at the same time, but we got three of us. And so we went with it. Um, and it was a great conversation. And yeah, looking forward to bringing it to you. But it was also great to catch up with Matt. Given last week. Absolutely. What, what, what a lad. And uh, it, it's amazing how many people were touched by mm. uh, what he did and the manner in which he did it. And it was, it was, it was fantastic. I mean, it, did, it, it boosted our Caledonian audience too. So, True. you know, no doubt. Um, yeah. I mean, I hope they weren't as offended about my iron brew and deep fried Mars bar comments as... As you were. Well, I wasn't offended, but I had to. I had On to sort behalf. of. I had to couch my moral outrage to the fact that I, I work with several Scottish people, and my manager uh, is Scottish, and and several of my my senior colleagues are Scottish, and and no doubt they would be kind of grumpy about that. I mean, I'd have to filter it through their sort of their baseline irritability. See, anyway. I didn't go there. Yeah. So I'll make not. up for it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Just generally yeah. quite irritable. All right. So, maybe they need iron brew and deep fried Uh But, yeah, it, it, was, you know, it was so good to catch up with them. And plenty of people have said, hey, I watched the movie since, um, since listening to him, and it's great too. Yep. So, yeah. Well, look, you know, it's, it's, it's been a it – was, it was really good to catch up with them and, and really, really enjoyed it. But how have you been, man? Well, look, I mean, probably explaining my level of baseline irritability, I've gone after um, Scotland as a country and Easter so far. Just um, generally. Just generally. <laughs> I got my COVID jab this week and, man, it did, it, I was so happy to have it. Uh, but it kicked me sideways. Yep. Really, really kicked me sideways. It just in a kind of a... Just a super in, in, like in I didn't way? I didn't feel I didn't get the kind of the that sort of myalgic pain that people talk about. I just had super low energy for the mm-hmm. rest of the week, you know. So not much running, you know. Work's been super busy. Yeah, I was late home on Wednesday because of work. And um, but uh, again, it is what it is. Not yep. much you can control. No. So and so you need a second one. Yeah, I need a second one in mm. a couple of weeks. Yeah. So yeah, yep. uh, the Pfizer. Mm. Uh, jab and super happy. I mean, God, mm. it's fantastic. But they keep it in the freezer, don't they? They keep it in the fridge. Is yeah, it cold when it goes in. No, no, they mm. warm it up. They. Oh, nice. Yeah. Was uh, I mean? 70. Can I just say how awesome? Uh, which is an understatement. So that's a terrible word, but uh, you know, fantastic that we've managed to get the vaccines up so quickly. And Absolutely. here you are as a frontline health care yep. worker, being vaccinated. Yep. Hurrah! Hurrah! Mm. Indeed. So mm. let's let's get them out. Yeah. Well, how about you, man? Yeah, good. I had a real stay-at-home Farno weekend um, for Easter. Uh, may have indulged in hot cross buns. Don't you know? Don't don't at me. Uh, lots of catching up with the kids, catching up with my mum and sister and her kids, that kind of thing. Um, even my long run was local. I yeah. ran from home, partly because I thought I should put in a road effort as I build up to Rotorua Marathon in a couple of weeks, and I did thirty-four k around here and felt okay. So fingers crossed. Nice. Yeah, pacing the three forty-five group. Oh, there you go. So if you if you're aiming to run three forty-five at uh, Rotorua, jump on board the. Yeah, look the, out for the balloon. The, Maybe I should practice with the balloon next week. The Bingham bus. Well, you Do you mind t- if you we come out the forest if I yeah, carry yeah. a balloon with me? Yeah, as long as it's the same size and weight as Gene Andrews, that'd be fine. That'd be fine. <laughs> oh, it's gonna Ooh. be fun. It's gonna be fun. Yeah. L- look, I tell you what else is fun is supporting Dirt Church Radio on Patreon. <laughs> and if you'd like to, I, totally I feel another review coming. out. Hey, just stick to running. Stop 
wanking mm. about. If you'd like to support what we do, uh, we'd love to come on, love you to come on board. And if you set up a regular donation or a one-off, even for the cost of a cup of coffee a month, it would help us do things that are a bit outside our reach at the moment. Buying audio equipment to improve our sound quality. We're scheming to get to more races to interview people. Buy hot cross buns. Buy hot cross buns. It will no, also keep, help keep the lights on, helping us cover the costs like websites and domains and calls and stuff like that. So we're on patreon.com slash Radio. And thanks very much if, if you're on board and if you're not, that's just fine too. Well, the basic answer to Stuff You Should Know is not very much, really. Like, last week we had a bumper edition of Races. It yeah, was quite it, long, wasn't it? It was really, really long. And, and yeah. this, it's, I mean, it's been quiet this mm. weekend because mm. it's Easter and people yeah. have just been... People have been chilling. Yeah. But next week, there's some epic races. Yeah, we're back up on it, aren't we? Yeah, definitely. Christchurch Marathon. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see how Ruth Croft gets on. You know, it's going to be fascinating to see if she can have a crack at her PB from Seoul oh. um, 2019, which she did 234. Um, you know, as always, a lot depends on the conditions and, and it'll depend on if she's got people around her to, as well. There's lots, lots of different things um, that go into getting a, a fast marathon, but that's going to be... One to watch this weekend. What else is on? I mean, you've run the Christchurch Marathon yeah, a couple of times, course. haven't you? Different course. Different course. Once. Right. Different course. So it has changed since I ran it. Okay. Um, I'm not even sure what the new course is. So, um, but it's, it, it really, like some years, the weather, they've actually changed the date. I saw the, yeah. that uh, everyone was underwater, basically. Yeah, there was yeah. that year. There was, there's other years where it's just been freezing cold. Um, the year I ran it, it was just perfect conditions, which is what can also happen. happen. Um, and coincidentally, it's when I got my PB. So yeah. um, that's, it's just, you know, sometimes you can get just really perfect days. And they did move it from June to April, uh, I presume partly because of the, the weather. Mm. So that's going to be interesting. What else is on? Oh, well, in the south, there's the Coastal Ultra, which mm. looks epic. New event in the Catlins run on mostly private land. And so you've got 15, 27, and 71K, and they all finish at Curia Bay Campground, which is uh, apparently see yeah. wildlife, hectares, dolphins, sea lions, penguins, and now trail runners. Yeah. It's be really, really cool. The that's dual. a cool spot, Curia yeah. Bay. Yeah, Amazing. It's beautiful. Speaking yeah. of cool spots, the duel is on yeah. in Auckland. That's, That's a real favourite of yours, eh? Well, I've run it once. Uh, it, it's underrated, I'd say. You mm. know, people go, oh, go to Rangitoto, go out there, run a marathon. Yeah, mm. it probably won't be. It's really underrated. It's cool. You know, there's there's lots of. Gloria. <laughs> lots of Gloria. There's <laughs> lots of places where, like, if you fall, you're not, mm. not going to get up pretty much. Um, yeah, fantastic, mm. fantastic race. Yeah. Um, mm. Is Lap the Lake yep. in Southland? Uh, yeah, and there's a huge exterior event with multi-sport and running on at Lake Tikitapu, um, Blue Lake in Rotorua this weekend as well. Oh, such an amazing yeah. And then place. the week after, yeah. Riverhead Relapse. Yeah. How's it looking? Oh, it's looking sick. It's yeah. looking really good. We've got, so we've got a new course. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one loop for day and night. I actually went out. Oh, so, fe- so fe- just the same loop? Just the same loop. Right. It's different from the one that, that you would have run. Mm. Uh, I ran it on Sunday because I was feeling a bit better, so I thought I'll go out and have a bit of a blat. Um, most of the climbing's in the first part, so it's mm-hmm. some sweet-ass descending as well, heaps of brilliant flow. It's, it's nowhere near as exposed either. Right. And that's, yeah, so April the 16th to the God knows what else. Mm. And, um, I mean, yeah, lacticturkey.co.nz for details. But, look, the relay, I mean, if you were going to get this, still plenty of time. I'm looking at my watch as I said. <laughs> I, I, if you were going to get a team together, you can do 8, 12, or 24 hours, and there's a 24-hour solo option also. I had a really Which would be no joke. 24-hour solo, that would be... If so I was 100 going, miles, right? Oh, you could run 
If you wanted to do two, oh. you don't have to run on the hour. Oh, really? Yeah. I see. You do as oh. much or as little as you want. Okay, so you're, I, not, you're not doing the got an hour to do it. No, kind of not at right. all. I, I had a conversation with someone who was like, I really want to do the last person standing, but um, if I could do every second lap, <laughs> which I thought was quite funny, sort of a half person standing. Uh, but we do, like, yeah, it's like come do the 24-hour solo. So Right. Yeah. Oh, it, so you could do that for that. Absolutely. Huh. Lacticturkey.co.nz. It's going to be there you go. sick. There you go. And the start list too is yeah. just Oh, brimming with talent. It is brimming with talent. Louis mm. Schindler's in there. Fiona Hayweiss is in there. Yeah. Oh, I can't yeah. even yeah. remember. I mean, I've got the start list. Those are two people who jump out. It's just mm. going to be fantastic. Stacked. Stacked. Right. Greatest, Greatest run, run ever. ever. Greatest run ever. Greatest run ever, which is the part of the show where we ask you to write into us and tell us your greatest run ever. It doesn't have to be a race or a mountain summit or Northburn or anything. It might just be a run around the block, something that's sung to you for some reason. You can send it in to us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. Now, this week is from Samuel Goodwin, and he's just recently relocated back to Aotearoa after six years living in the United Kingdom. And boy, his greatest run ever is a bit of an odyssey. So we've abridged it down, but if you want to check out the unabridged version, uh, you can go to our website, which is dirtchurchradio.com, and check those out, and we know that you do that. But yeah, so this one is about a challenge he did virtually with seven to eight other, mostly uh, other Kiwi Kiwis uh, living in the UK. I've never had to set an alarm at 4pm on a Friday before. Come to think of it, I don't think I've actually ever set an alarm at 4pm before, but a couple of months had passed since I introduced a colleague of mine to a certain bloke, a bloke we both didn't know personally, a lot of people don't know personally, but a bloke who has certainly impacted almost everyone that has witnessed his presence on this planet. Some quotes from said bloke, forget doubling down on your strengths, triple down on your weaknesses. We're going to do something every day that sucks. Suffering is a true test of life and more famously, stay hard. Can I guess? It is... Tomagusa. Oh, sorry, Dave Goggins. I was going to say Deepak Chopra, but yeah, David Goggins. <laughs> yep, no, David Goggins, the man himself. And, you know, to be fair, I know I always say, oh, he just needs a hug, but the man has done a lot to inspire people he and, has. you know, fair play to the man. Uh, he's, he, you know... Singular individual, right? So, back to the story. My colleague Michael slipped the idea to me one Friday after work that himself and some friends were going to attempt Dave Goggins' self-created 48-hour challenge, run four miles every four hours for 48 hours. If you can't run, cycle, or walk, or do a 30-minute activity that would callous your mind, the whole idea of what this challenge is about. Before I could say, yes, I'll do it, Michael has already added me to the chat group, so with learning that I wasn't the only one doing it, it made me more comfortable to say yes. The following week, it was scheduled to start, which was a nice in a way. It was nice that that sort of thrown into the deep end approach to it. I ran it by my partner, and she was nothing but encouraging and supportive of the idea. Offered to make me loads of amazing food and drinks, offered to help the help to sleep in the other room for me to make it easier, but also quickly reminded me that I committed to run a 10K on the Saturday morning with her. So I thought, why not incorporate both? The group had agreed to run a 5K instead of the four miles, which I was very happy about, but still darn petrified. I mean, even if you are dropping that distance somewhat, it's still quite, hmm. it's, it's 48 hours of running is, every, is a lot. Every 
Every four hours. Yeah. So the work week done, alarm set for 4 p.m. I actually didn't finish work till 5 p.m., so quickly scooted home, told my partner I loved her, then set off for the first set at 6. A five-kilometre run around Battersea Park at 6 p.m. on a Friday. One mental challenge battling through already, people about to start enjoying their weekend under the gorgeous sun. I was cruising along and constantly thinking, what have I gotten myself into? I wrapped that session up and 11 runs to go. I decided to start the second leg at 8pm to get back into sync. The sun was still out, but slowly setting. The park was busy as ever, and of course I had to run past a friend of mine, so stopped quickly to say hello. The third leg started at midnight, and with the park being shut, I was forced to stay on the streets. A few people were out and about, but running at midnight started to make this challenge feel like a real thing. Leg four was the most mentally challenging, or so I thought. A a 4am start, the moon was beaming some light into the streets and the birds were chirping. I decided to do the block run again and had it wrapped up in 30 minutes. The body started to reject my ideas, but I had no choice to start hacking into my mind. My partner was sleeping next to me throughout that night shift, which I loved, but was also difficult for me knowing I was waking her up each time. Not being used to eating overnight, I put uh, put a foot completely wrong and didn't really eat anything. Leg five kicked off at 7.30 in the morning. It was a comfortable 10-kilometer run. The thing is, I promised my better half, Laura, to help her through her own challenge, the May 10K on Strava. So after a well-deserved rest and celebration with Laura, it was time to get home and prep for leg six. Michael texts just after midday to say he'd be outside my house shortly. We met one of his friends who wasn't doing the challenge but was a fellow runner and headed to the park for a cruiser of a 5K. I tell you what, running with company, even if you don't chat too much, is bloody helpful. Michael set the pace and off we went for one and a half laps of the carriage drive for wrapping it up after five kilometres in 23 degree heat. Really sweaty and man, was I parched. I linked up with Laura and her friend after that run. Legs were burning, actually burning, but that was the sixth run, which spelt one thing, halfway. It's about now that the mental task had been accepted and knowing what I was going through was, you know, challenging, you might even say nuts, and the physical side was starting to take relative control. It was me versus my body. Everything I do from here on in is all on my mind. If there was any hope of me making it, I needed to take advantage of David Goggins allowing an alternative activities into the mix. Given it was 30 minutes long, it was all okay. So leg seven consisted of an 11 and a half kilometre cycle ride from home and around Chelsea. It was still tough, dodging buses, taxis and Boris bikes, but it was nice on the body as opposed to a 30 minute run. A definable decision in the end as I felt like I had a decent rest even if when I was on the bike. 8pm Saturday night comes round, the sun is at a gorgeous level and some punters on my planned route had just set up for a barbecue in their front yard, perfect for me to monitor their progress as I started my second night shift. The physical toll is well and truly on, but the mindset went into a new and different realm with the words of Laura pushing me forward and her absolutely amazing lasagna that the eighth leg was done. Snack, shower and sleep became the regular and normal every few hours and midnight soon came to take came time to lace up for round nine. The eyelids barely opened. The body didn't want to get up. My thighs were nearly non-existent, but I just had to keep going. The thought of seeing how the barbecue punters were going was a weird push for me to get out the door. I won't lie about that. Turns out they'd finished their meals and were well and truly into the drinks and dancing, which made me smile. So I'd worked out a nice five-kilometre circuit now, so I thought I would do it again, but reverse come 4am. 4am actually came around quicker than I thought, oddly enough. After the midnight run, it was home for a quick snack, message to my parents back home in New Zealand, shower, then straight to sleep. I was determined and prepared to get it done. I even think I laced up with my eyes closed. It was all coming naturally to me. I'd come too far to quit. To be honest, the nasty Q word never crossed my mind once. My barbecue buddies were down from a party of 14 to 
a party of two, swirling whiskey around a glass, talking about the universe. Good on them. Thanks. Thank you for the laughs to myself, you complete strangers. May you go well. Once I passed the barbecue party, I hid outside the park and went the opposite way to what I'd been doing. It felt nice, and I was running down the west side of the park on the outside. I noticed the turnstile gate was operating whilst the other gates were padlocked shut. Screw it. I nipped into the park through the turnstile and enjoyed my 10th leg throughout Battersea Park all by myself, 4am on a Sunday morning, probably no quieter time around, especially for a central London park. I bet even the street sweepers, I even bet the street sweepers out that morning. Man, I enjoyed that. Home, snack, shower, sleep, repeat. I woke up pretty close to 8am with a pleasant surprise from Laura. I'm coming with you. I couldn't have been happier. Couldn't have asked for anyone better to come with me. I needed carrying, so to speak. Her mental clarity and wellness was everything I needed. Even the small words, you've got this, only two to go. And using the Goggins quote, stay hard. So we set off at 8am in Battersea Park. A long and uncomfortable but much needed stretch in the park under the morning sun then home it was. Smoothie, snack, shower, sleep, snore, sleep, 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 boom, midday. The victory lap. I'll come out with you again. Even more perfect than before, those were just the words I needed in these challenging times. I could not be happier. Laura has gone from someone who didn't run, who did yoga daily, breath work and dancing, um, to someone who's willing to smash out 20k in one weekend whilst maintaining daily yoga, breathwork and dancing. I know I'm going through hell physically and mentally with this challenge, but if I could take some time from this write-up to praise such a magnificent woman, I will. So this is Matt speaking. Hats off to you, Laura. Thanks for making it possible. <sighs> Samuel goes on to say she made the 12th lap a breeze. We started up, we laced up, we started up running from our front door and cruised around the park. Loads of breathing, loads of laughs, loads of fun. I couldn't believe it. 60k running in 48 hours and one 11 and a half kilometre bike ride done. Sleep no longer than two hours at a time. Weird eating time, sore bones, joints and muscles in places I didn't think I had them. A sweaty and smelly body but a mind accomplished. A heart beating and two legs I owe so much to. It was done. Well done, Samuel. Yep. Absolutely. Oof. Yeah. I mean, so important in these times, eh? Hmm. Make a challenge your own and go yep. for it. Make it your own and do it. Yeah. Excellent. And thanks for sending it in as gross for The rest of you, send them in. We yep. love them. People love them. Let's do it. Right. From one great height to another, Ben and Yoni keeps. Mm. So as we mentioned at the top, Ben and Yoni, they're a trial and ultra running father and son combo from Canterbury. They've never been called that before. Uh, they're both volunteer firefighters. They're both involved in the family business, which Ben co-founded Cactus Outdoors, and they're both involved with the organisation Speed Freaks. Uh, ben has also been recognised for his leadership by the Sir Peter Blake Trust. He's a technology expert, a business advisor, an entrepreneur. Yoni, he recently celebrated his 21st by running the Northburn 50 kilometres recently and then crewed home his dad and others. He was the youngest person known to have run 100k in a 100-mile race in Aotearoa. This is a really inspiring and emotional chat about family, commitment, and love of our sport, and I know that you're going to enjoy it. Ditches Radio. Joining us from Waipara in Canterbury is Ben and Yoni Keeps. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks, Ben. It's um, nice to be here. Yeah, sure is. I mean... We just talked about this, but you your schedule is absolutely crazy. Our first question is, how on earth do you two find a, find time to sleep? Honestly, um, so we're both we're both members of the local volunteer fire brigade, and the fire chief, who's a very wise wise old owl, salt of the earth, uh, he says, if you want something done, ask a busy person. <laughs> so, um, I guess we're busy people. Yeah, yeah. So you do you do the um, fire brigade on on Monday nights, right? 
Yeah, yeah, we do training on Monday nights, and yep. then we're obviously on call. All on the time. call, yeah. All right, we'll keep an ear out for the siren. But just quietly, how many times have you had to avoid going up the ladders on a Monday after a, an ultra on the weekend? Uh, fair few, fair <laughs> few. I'd say actually last Monday was we were quite light on on duties just because we had just finished up Northburn Miler and my legs were still a bit stiff from from the fifties. So. Uh, yeah, we do from time to time, and it's a bit of a, a running joke with the, with the local brigade members about the fact that we struggle to walk some Mondays, but um, it's nice. <laughs> and they give you dispensation. They, yeah, they're very understanding. <laughs> hey, talking about uh, Northburn, Yoni, um, you know, some people celebrate their 21st by doing a yard glass and, and going out, but you did it by running 50K and then what, staying up all night to support your dad. Um, that looked amazing. Yeah, I mean, I kind of felt a bit guilty because I got to the start line and, you know, everyone, I mean, the 100-mile race was the biggest race down there of the lot. Um, and I sort of, there was a little bit of an inkling. It's like, mm, should I should I change up and, and do do the 100-mile, do the 100K? But, um, yeah, look, I mean, I've been running for a long time and running's my thing and, and I get a lot of enjoyment from it. So I couldn't think better, couldn't think of a, a better thing to do than run a race and then start and crew dad and crew a couple of buddies. So, yeah. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, and what a great weekend, um, you know, results-wise, the outcome-wise for the for the two of you as well. You must have both been pretty pleased. Yeah, I mean, so Northburn um, scared the hell out of me. Like, I've never been I'd, – um, I'd always said, no, I'll never do that because it's um, – as Grant guys said to me after I'd finished, he said, oh, you've actually done a, a grown-up miler now. <laughs> um, but it is it is legit, and, and I, I, you know, I get a lot of hassle from my mates about being all smoke and mirrors, but I, I honestly had no idea what to expect. And, um, yeah, and I was I was stoked to get through it, and I was stoked to get through it in a pretty good time. Yeah. And was it as scary as you thought it would be? It's funny, actually, because I, I don't like hills, and um, Northburn has quite a few of those. Um, <laughs> but the, the interesting thing there is that, you you know, like on that, on the Loop 2, on the death climb, it's, it's like five hours of climbing. And so – you just get into that mode. It's like you get out your poles and you're just spending the next five hours going uphill, tap, tap, tapping away. And um, I actually quite liked it. It was kind of quite zen as opposed to the sort of the, the up and down where you're sort of always getting mucked around. You could sort of get into a mode. Right. Yeah. And Yoni, how did you find it? Uh, yeah, again, loved it. Um, I'm sort of normally one for a bit of a flatter, flatter sort of ultra. Um, I do a lot of training on the road. But this was... I wasn't so sure how my legs would be after Old Ghost because um, I'd taken a few easy weeks, but they seemed to turn out okay. And, mm. um, you know, for me, for the 50K, it's sort of one big climb. It was like three hours of climbing and then it's a downhill and then a little bit of a climbing loop at the end. Um, so, yeah, I loved it. You just kind of get into a nice mindset and I was running with a couple of really, really cool guys and, yeah, just miles ticked over and we got to the end. Mm. It's interesting you talk about the fear of it or the, the sort of anticipation of it being in that it's always, to rate to me, it's always been a race too that sort of looms really large. It, people just talk about it in such huge terms. And as we just talked about, I live at sea level. So um, the thought of spending all that time in the mountains, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a bit scary to me as well. So it's just one of those races, isn't it? It is. And I think, um, you know, I had a buddy um, that I've known for a few years over in the States and she said, oh, you know, well done on, on Everesting. And I didn't even I didn't even think of that. Like I think I got nine thousand three hundred meters. But um, you know, to think of doing, you know, nine kilometers of vert, um, it's it's full on. But like I say, it's um because you're only climbing 
you know, the, the, the big climbs, it doesn't hammer your legs to the same extent. Like mm. if I think about, you know, I've done, I've done a few milers now and I think it probably hammered me less than, than any of them, to be honest. Mm. Wow. That's, that's, yeah, I guess. Yeah. So you're not having that impact of run, 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 which is, I mean, it was <laughs> the aforementioned Grant guys when I entered Tarawera told me, you know, that, that because it's so runnable, that's the danger. So I guess that's the opposite is true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and um, I kind of like the whole, um, I quite like running on my own. I quite like sort of getting into a zone. I never listen to music or whatever. I just kind of get lost in my own thoughts. And so there was quite a lot of time to do that. <laughs> Very good. Hey, look, do you mind if we sort of go back to the beginning? And I've seen you, Ben, talk about that, the way you approach life is very much influenced by your family history and, and the sacrifices of, of your parents and, and your ancestors. Do you mind sharing with us your family story and, and how that influences you today? Yes. Yeah, so, um, I mean, my parents are both um, Holocaust survivors. Um, they, My mum was in a concentration camp. My dad's dad um, died in a concentration camp. Um, they then went through the Hungarian Revolution um, and were refugees. Um, they went to a UN camp in, in, in Austria and Vienna and then and eventually came to New Zealand. And so, um, you know, basically the thing with especially refugees, immigrants generally, but re- especially refugees, is that they are never at home anywhere. <laughs> They've given up their home country and they're not at home in their new country. And so they basically sacrifice a lot of their life for, for the next generation. And I think that, um, you know, my siblings and I, you know, had this amazing gift to grow up in this incredible country and get an education and, you know, do okay financially and be free and not worry about about food or, or you know, shelter or whatever. And so um, I think, I mean, you can get all, you know, dramatic and emotive about it. and mm. um, But, you know, I think I do definitely... Um, it definitely doesn't make me act better to my mother because she will uh, be the first to say that I'm a terrible son. <laughs> but at some level, I do feel a sense of, of duty to kind of their sacrifices, I guess. Mm. And is that, is that sort of, um, yeah, you, you talk about the way it changes your approach to life as well. Is that sort of come through in, in, in terms of what you want to do with your life as well? Does it Yeah, I mean, influence like that? any... Anyone who says that they're driven to be a servant leader just sounds like an arsehole. Um, sure. Uh, like that said, I, I guess I would like to, you know I would like that to, for people to say that you know I I am a servant leader. I guess uh, you know like I I spent fifteen years you know doing kind of the whole technology thing, Silicon Valley and stuff, and um and you know it's really rewarding kind of being back here and doing the stuff I do with businesses and. and young people and mentoring and and that sort of stuff and it's um way less financially financially lucrative but um i can only live in one house and drive one car and eat so many meals a day unless i'm doing an ultra in which case i eat all the time um <laughs> so so yeah i mean it's kind of like you know i mean legacy and all that stuff which sounds all emotive but yeah uh, yeah and yoni what about you how does does that family history rub off on you as well you sort of is it something you were sort of conscious of you brought up thinking of it and yeah, being aware of it's it. It's a running joke in the family. Um, and so, yeah, every time, I mean, when dad sent, sent me and my brother to, to school and um, sort of whenever they gave us an opportunity, it was sort of drilled into us that 
you know, we've been put in a position now that, um, you know, 100 years ago, well, not 100 years, uh, 60 years ago, that might not have been the position for our family. Mm. But now you always are in a position to, you know, to do something that's not everyone gets to do. Mm. Um, so he drills into us this, this quote, and it's so ingrained in my memory that uh, I could I, I could run 100 miles and then tell you what it is. Um, and it's from those to whom much is, much is given, much is expected. Um, and so, yeah, it was kind of like with everything they gave us, um, as you know, as we grew up, it was, you know, you, you boys are welcome to those opportunities, but make the most of them and, and do us proud. So I think that's what's rubbed on up, rubbed off us on, on us. Um, mm. And yeah, I think yeah, everything I do, whether it's with work or, or business type stuff or running, it's, you know, just trying to do your best and, you know, grateful for the opportunities. Mm. What a great attitude and, and a great um, legacy of, of, of your parents and grandparents been. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, like, uh, I mean, any parent would say that um, the most important thing, the most important role they have is, is is to be a parent. And I was reflecting upon it the other day, you know, I was talking to a mate and saying that, you know, I'm in this amazing position where I actually, you know, work with my two sons. And, um, you know, which is, you know, we don't see each other that much at work, but but, but we do work together. And, um, you know, for a dad to be able to say that, you know, his two best mates are his boys, um, you know, he's getting all emotional now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's a big deal, right? It's, like, a, it's um, a huge deal. Yeah, nothing else matters, right? Like the money you make, the businesses you grow, all that sort of stuff is irrelevant. What matters is the people you bring into the world and the values you you ingrain in them. And, mm. You know, I'm, I'm blessed in that in that regard. Yeah, imparting that on. Yeah, where where did the interest in outdoors and and particularly in in running come from? So I um like I was a fat um, asthmatic kid who um. My claim to fame was that throughout my entire secondary school education, I never did PE. Like, I always got out of it. Wow. I had asthma or I didn't feel well or whatever. So, um, at, But at the same time, like my, my dad died when I was 13. And so I had – and he was overweight and stressed and yeah. a doctor and smoke and all that stuff. And so I have this um, massive chip on my shoulder about not being that. And so yeah. I discovered cycling when I was um, – when I was sort of 18, I, I went to scouts and did, did some tramping and climbing and outdoor stuff. And I, I'm probably um, I'm probably driven by kind of negative motivation rather than positive. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to be that. Like I'm 50 this year and I am massively selfish of the fact that I can go out and run and I'm fat-ish but not massively fat and, <laughs> and, and reasonably healthy and stuff. And so I just... Um, you know, like it's a it's an opportunity to do that. I mean, it's it's amazing being in the mountains and all that sort of stuff. But if I had to be totally honest, it's as much, if not more, the physical kind of stuff than the getting out and seeing some beautiful things stuff. Mm. Mm. It's I I know what you mean about the the sort of the the negative thing of that and and sort of not wanting to be. You know, my dad died at fifty six and. Uh, you know, my genes are shot. And so I'm, I, I, you know, I kind of feel that same sort of pressure, I guess. Um, so, yeah, but I, I guess I've never thought of it as a negative, but, but yeah, it's a, it's, it is sort of a, a, a looming a negative pressure, but it, but it really is, isn't it? I guess you're kind of running away from yeah, something. And, and, but I think there's, there's, there's positive negativity, negativity if it's right, if it's like, for me, it's like, yeah, my dad had his first heart attack when he was forty or something. He died when he was fifty-five. Mm. I don't want to be that. Yeah. So I, w- I, w- I want to be another. So mm. 
that, if, you know, what does it matter if it's that that drives me to, to mm. you know, to do this crazy stuff or if it's just the love of the outdoors? I'm, I'm doing crazy stuff and I'm healthy because of it. Mm. And so so the, the scouting and the outdoors thing, did that, did that lead to running, you know, in a, in a more pure sense rather than just being outdoors? Um, I, I really only discovered running, like, um, probably in my 30s. Like, I, I'd cycled a bit, and then I took a bit of time out. I um, I built our house and kind of did that, all of that stuff. And then kind of that was finished, and um, lots of people were dying and, you know, uh, riding bikes, getting run over, and it didn't seem like a good option. So I kind of discovered running. And, I mean, you know, like, did a few, I don't know, local fun runs and 10Ks or whatever and then and and did a few halves. Did my uh, I wanted to do a marathon before I was 40. I did one when I was 39 and um said that's it, I'm never going to do another marathon. <laughs> Half marathon's my thing and did a did a ridiculous amount of those. Um and then in uh, 2015 got this crazy idea to to run my first ultra and um yeah I'm a little, I'm a little bit OCD maybe because um, it's kept going yeah, and you sure have. I mean, you've done you know some of the big ones since then as well. It's you've you've really taken to it. What is it about ultras? Um, so, like, life is so busy, right? And so crazy, and social media and stuff going off. So, spending more time out and away from that and in my own head is, is nice. Like, there is kind of that competitive thing that you know, like a miler is. And I, you know, like on one hand, I hate the fact that. You know, when, when you go to a race and, and people say, oh, I'm only doing 50K. I mean, freak, you're doing 50K. That is like 99% yeah. of the population can't comprehend that. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, yeah, I mean, sort of 100K, 100 miles is like, it's kind of the real deal. It's kind of next level. And so I just, I, I like that. I like the, you know, the whole getting the buckle thing. Um, and, I, and I guess I read... Um, I, I read. A, oh, I actually watched a movie last night um, that Gary Robbins did about a, an amazing um, route he put up over over the summer in Canada, and and just saying like, you know, he's driven by by races or events or or, or things that he doesn't know whether he can compete mm. and and complete and and like, you know, Northburn, like I, you know, and, and milers generally like anything can happen, so you don't know. It's kind of cool. Not knowing and, and getting through it, or or not knowing and not getting through it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's that stuff that like John Kelly's done and things, isn't it? Where he's taking on these massive challenges, and you know sometimes it doesn't come off, and that that that's what it should be about, shouldn't it? We shouldn't just be taking on challenges that we kid ourselves are challenges, but actually we know we can do. At the same time, it is easy to overstate it. I mean, uh, yeah, a hundred miles short is a long way, mm. but actually. If you don't break down and you've got a reasonable amount of mental toughness, you just keep putting one foot in the other and you'll get to the finish line. So, like, it's important for us not to kind of kind of create this hero thing about mm. milers or 100K races. It's, like, it's it's not actually that much harder. It just takes longer. And, um, yeah. you know, it would, I would hate to be in a situation where, where people got freaked out and thought they couldn't do it simply because we're saying how epic something is. Yeah. Yeah, Barry McGee used to say, um, uh, "Distance won't kill you, but speed will." In other words, you know, you can go and do a marathon if you want to tomorrow. Um, you can complete it. It's just how fast you do it, and that, that's what it comes down to. And it's you know, the same with any distance, really, isn't it? It's just about your pacing and getting it right and doing the job right and 
and keeping on going. Yeah, in the top three inches. Yeah, yeah. Yoni, did was your dad's interest in running? Did that rub off on you by osmosis, or or, or was he more direct than that? You can tell us. Don't just ignore uh, the fact that he's well, there. It's pretty obvious. I, I'm running now with doing ultras, so something happened. But um, <laughs> I was actually thinking about it today. I um, this afternoon on a run and um, thinking about actually my first my first memory of going for a run with dad was I remember we did this four kilometer loop, and I think I was about ten then. Um, and it had lots of hills in it. I remember it just sucked. I got back and it was just like, it was the most awful thing. Um, and I don't actually know why I continued to run, but I think I was entered in a 10K like race or something. So I had to, like I had to do something to, um, and dad used to buy me, you know, he'd go to the States for um, his tech stuff and he would bring back, you know, the latest trail running magazine or the latest running magazine. So um, I'm pretty OCD as well. I've inherited that obviously. And so I, I know a lot of the times down to the second, and I still remember it's completely stupid. I, I should be doing something better with my time. So I used to read these articles and obsess over over great runners. And um, I guess there was a little bit of, you know, I saw I saw stuff that people was, were doing overseas, um, a lot of trail running, not so much ultra running back then, a little bit. Um, and then it was just spending time with dad. Um, so, yeah, started out just doing 10K and then, um, it was kind of, I think it was during my sort of teenage, 20, uh, yeah, I think I was 13, 13, 14, tried a, mar- a half marathon. Uh-huh. Um, and then and then there was this opportunity um, that everyone knows about now, which is High Five O with Mel Law. And uh, Dad had decided to help him out on, on two of his days. So he went into the first day and came back and said, oh, yeah, it's really cool. Why don't you come to the second day? Um, and so me being a naive 14-year-old, uh, jumped at the idea. I think it was a day off school. So that was the first. <laughs> That's always day. an advantage. Yeah. Exactly. And then um, it was up uh, in the Lewis Pass. It was a place where we'd tramped numerous times. Um, and so we get up there and, and Mel and Sal were there. And Sally sort of pulls dad aside and, you know, was, was very worried. Um, and sort of, you know, gave us a talking to about if, if something went wrong, then we'd turn back and dad would stay with me and, I mean, luckily the, the stars aligned and we, we got through that. And I guess the rest is history, you know. Once yeah. you do a marathon, you, you kind of question what's what's after that, you know. Can you can, could you do another marathon or or could you do something a little bit further? Yeah. And you just catch the bug and, and it goes. Yeah. And you were the youngest that we know of to to run a hundred K and a miler, as far as we know of. Is that is that right? And do you know if you still sort of hold that title? Um, I don't know about the 100K. Um, I have I have come across people who have said, like back in the 80s, there was possibly, um, whether it was a race or if it was just a run. Um, but, that, you know, I like it's cool to be one of the younger ones who's doing that. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't come across someone who's done 100 miles at 18, and I wouldn't suggest it. Hmm. Uh, it's, yeah, 100 miles is a, is a whole new beast, mm-hmm. um, and it was kind of me just wanting to be able to say I'd done 100 miles uh, hmm. while at school. Yeah, but um, what's really nice is seeing other young people getting into into trail running, getting into ultras. I have a I have a really good bunch of people around me um, who I live with and you know who I, I run with, and there's sort of some younger people who are sort of saying, oh yeah, come out and do a thirty k trail run. And ten years ago, I don't think a lot of young people would have even thought mm. about that. You know, it would have been the odd ones who who came out of the athletics cross country fields and did the ten k's and the halves and were really fast. But now there's just people who you know realise that you know, how important it is for them, for their health to get out into the outdoors and, and do something that they actually enjoy. Mm. That's, uh, it is so important, isn't it? And, it, and it's a great, um, great thing to be doing when you're young and fit and 
gosh, you know, all the races and, and adventures I wish I'd had when I, when I was your age, um, looking back. But um, you, I mean, you had an amazing OE. You headed off overseas and, you know, it was hardly the traditional Kiwi OE. You, you ran in some epic places and, and, and races. How, how was that? Oh, it's amazing, eh? Um, I mean, for anyone, well, anyone who's been to Europe, obviously, you know, you know what Europe is to travel. Um, but then for any runner to to go and um, I spent I spent a week and a half, two weeks in, in Chamonix um, and watched UTMB and stuff. And yeah, for a, for an ultra runner, that's sort of the mecca of of ultra running. Um, so yeah, it sort of blows your mind on a whole new level. Um, and just the mountains around you, you know, in New Zealand, you can sort of run to maybe 2000 meters but over there you start at 2000 meters and yeah. you go up to 3000 meters like it's a it's a whole you know the altitude is one thing but the trails is, is just beautiful it's um the people around you are just into the outdoors and, and so friendly mm. what was it like in in chamonix in terms of the how busy it was and did you have to bunk in a car or anything you know how, how did you how did you manage to survive those couple of weeks in chamonix uh, at such a busy time pretty touch and go i remember <laughs> paying uh, i think i managed to book six nights in a hostel and i think the room was like with 12 people and that was i was paying like 50 or 60 dollars a night just to be in a, a 12 bedroom dorm which is quite a yeah. um, expensive rate over there and then i think i found out that the whole of chamonix was booked out for two nights during utmb so my plan was to camp in a tent um and then i the night the day that i checked out of this hostel and you know i was ready to go and camp in the tent I found out, um, I don't know if people remember, Scotty Hawke will remember that the 2019 UTMB, there was some pretty bad weather. Mm. And um, not as bad as 2017, I think it was, but it was still rainy and yuck. And um, it started raining in Chamonix. And it was quite worrying uh, being in a, you know, a 20 euro tent. Um, I was really worried about that. But I managed to come across a, a lovely French woman on Facebook. Um, and she said she'd booked some place like 10 kilometers away and there was free transport or something. So sort of signed up to that not knowing what it was um and yeah luckily there was there was a bunk there that i could sort of doss on i didn't spend a lot of time there i spent most of the time at the finish line but um yeah it, it was pretty touch and go it's it's a very busy place yeah yeah how amazing it was this was this sending you plenty of updates ben yeah yeah i mean it's um yeah you, you know it's all pretty pretty fired up that stuff now i've never been to chamonix um but uh, I, you know, I will say that the the old start music, the UTMB music, <laughs> does get um, played on pretty heavy rotation um, at Casa Keeps. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm super keen to go there one day. Yeah, yeah. And so, what? So did you you re, you got? Did you go there for running, Yoni, or did you? You know, was there other other things in mind, and did you get done what you wanted to get done before that dreaded C word uh, arrived? Um, yeah, so I, I finished high school. Um, when I was younger, I was always set on going to university. Um, and then towards the end of high school, uh, I, I sort of went off the idea and, um, wasn't so sure what I would, what I wanted to do, but I had this, had this teacher at school who, um, he's become more of a mentor, which is really cool. And he, he sort of gave, planted the seed of going and working as a bit of a, like a teaching assistant, um, in a school over there. So signed up, headed over and, and worked in a, in a school with, um, I think it was like 400, 400 students, sort of in Kent, so about an hour south of London, um, lovely place, middle of nowhere, um, very hard to get around, um, and did that, and then obviously working at a school, you get um, really good holidays, mm-hmm. and, and travelled, and, 
And then, yeah, got back the end of December and um, COVID was a thing, but no one really knew about it. They, it was talked about a little bit in Italy in December 2019, but mm. not massively. And then, yeah, got back, landed, and a few weeks later, it started to become a real thing. So um, I was considering like a month before that actually staying for another six months in the UK. So looking back, I'm, I'm really glad that I didn't. Yeah, um, but yeah, I consider myself really fortunate um, to have got that in, and yeah, really lucky. You timed it, timed it pretty well. Yeah, very and, much so. And now you're back here, and you, you sort of touched on this, but you're in a in a flat with a bunch of other sort of like-minded athletic types. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it was kind of again the stars aligned. I had a friend I went to school with, um, he's a really good orienteer and a, and a bit of runner, and he sort of hit me up six months into my time in Europe and said, "Hey, man, you know, I've got." got this flat there's a spot available you know you could you could come flat with us but you need to confirm now and this is sort of eight months before I actually knew what I was doing um and I said yeah let's do it and so yeah I'm really lucky like there's six of us in there now and um we've got you know a really really good mountain biker um Dougal the, the orienteer like I mentioned um and then a couple other mountain bikers and, and some who do like adventure racing and 24 24 hour road games so it's really cool to be in a flat where people are motivated and we sort of bounce that motivation off each other. Um, and so if someone's having a, you know, a hard time with this sport, you know, someone else will come in and say, you know, come out for a ride instead or, you know, come out and let's go to the gym. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really cool. And it's, it's great that we're not all doing the same sports. Yeah. yeah. Because there's still competition, but there isn't competition to the point where it gets a little bit over the top. Mm. What happens um, when someone yeah. what happens when someone hits hits those uh, taper week crazies though? You know, does that sort of throw the whole flat off? Uh, it does get a bit tense. We um, another one, the mountain biker. He just he just recently uh, won the the under twenty three national champs, and so it was there was a bit of a celebration week after that um, at the flat. So it's really nice. Everyone recognises um, each other's talents, and yeah, we get on we get on really well, and, and they're really supportive. Yeah. Are you both, I mean, clearly you both love traveling, you both love running, and we haven't been able to do much of that overseas the last year, but are you both sort of eyeing up anything? Are there any sort of um, big races in, in mind that you'd like to get to once we can get back to traveling, or is it you're not ready to start thinking about that yet? Oh, I mean, so for me, like I, um, you know, like everyone, you know, you, you hear about UTMB and you watch the videos and and. Um, it just looks incredible and epic and, you know, I've got enough points to enter, but that doesn't actually make any difference because mm. there's a million other people who also do and want to be there. So I'm, I'd, I'd love to, to get there or maybe even CCC. Um, yeah, I, I was lucky enough a few years ago to go to Colorado and, and, and do Leadville, um, which, which was amazing. Um, but, yeah, it's funny because we've got, we've got incredible racing here, but, there's something about running around Mont Blanc, you know, being in three countries and, and, and being around, you know, thousands of people who are crazy passionate about the same sport that, um, you know, suit, that really does appeal. So maybe one day. Yeah, yeah. I, was it, um, maybe it was Andrew McDowell who talked about being in the bakery and there was Dylan Bowman and, you know, you just sort of bump into, oh, there's, you know, so-and-so and there's so-and-so. That, even just that atmosphere, which you must have experienced, Yoni, just being in that sort of, rarefied air of so much talent yeah i it's funny there's actually i put a i think it was on instagram or something um and there was a day that i bumped in to, i think it was like eight of you know some of the elite and um you know it's kind of nice to you sort of walk around and it's like oh there's, there's zach miller um and you know people especially zach in fact is you know just so down to earth 
Yeah. Um, and there's none of that. And I guess that's the bigger picture. And you talk about it all the time with ultra running about that culture. And there's no elitism yeah. whatsoever. Um, and so, yeah, like, you know, Zach is an example. You know, I stopped on the street and I talked to him for like 15 minutes and there was no reason for him to talk to me for 15 minutes. I was just some random. Yeah. Um, but, you know, with ultra running, people are just so supportive and it doesn't matter whether you, whether in a 100k race you you cross the line in eight and a half hours or you, you cross the line in 20 hours, you're sort of, at the end of the day, you're the same person doing the same race. Yeah. Um, and people are just so supportive and so understanding of that. Yeah. yeah and great. I think part, part of it is, um, so, so part of it is that we, we all do a sport that no one cares about. And so hmm. um, no one can really have a big ego because no one cares. But I think the other thing as well is that the sort of people, it's a massive generalisation, but the sort of people that are attracted to the sport are by nature humble because they realize they are small and insignificant compared to the mountains or whatever and you know like i, I had a good example at, at the old ghost road i'll ghost ultra a, a, a couple of months ago when you know martin um ruth croft's partner did the race and um cleaned up and uh and you know obviously ruth put him to bed because he was hammered and then she came back to the start finish or well, the finish line and she was there all night and mm. helped pack, that, pack up and there was no she was there hanging out with her folks, just kind of with the crew, helping out because she's just a West Coast chick and that's what yeah. you do. And, yeah. um, you know, like, I mean, she's she is at the top end. You know, she is an absolute super international mm. superstar mm. and she's just a girl from, what's the place she's from? Stillwater. Stillwater, you know, mm. like, and, you know, she's just a West Coast chick and, and it's awesome yeah. to, to have a sport. You know, when I was in, in Leadville, we were hanging out and, um, you know, we were in, in a cafe um, hanging out with Billy Yang, who was doing some filming there, and he introduced us to Hilary Allen and we, we hung out and chatted and, and it was like, you're this incredible superstar that also had this amazing recovery from this accident and whatever, but we're all doing this stuff together and, mm. you know, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And Ruth did the same at, um, at Tarawera. She just hung around and chatted to people and congratulated people and, and, and Katie Ride and others as well. You know, Katie was there when the last 100 milers came in. Um, and that, that's the, like you say, that's the sport that we are in, aren't we? You can't afford to have an ego. We knocked knocked out of here pretty quickly if you did. Yeah, and it's also, I think, the other thing as well is that I, I'm, I'm always reminded of that old ghost because, like, I have a serious crush on the old ghost ultra and on <laughs> Bill Ross, that, obviously. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm definitely gay for Phil. But, um, you know, our, our thing is that we, shaking his head, by the way. <laughs> we, we hang around at the finish line until the bitter end and, yeah. and kind of what to do. And, 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 and it sounds like a cliche. It sounds like this sort of patronising thing. But, you know, someone that takes 16, 17 hours to run Old Ghost has put in a massive amount more effort than someone who takes seven or eight hours. Mm. And, like, the, the least that, that we can do is hang around and congratulate them. Like, mm. who are we to think that we are too good to, to, to do that? And, um, and and apart from that, it's also awesome to see those people that come in after 16 hours who have battled, who are crying, who have done something that they didn't know that they could do. Like, you know, like I, I'm, I'm fortunate that I've done all of the old ghosts. I know I can run the old ghost. And I might not do a great time, but I can finish. Like, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind. There's lots of people there that don't know that, and and that's you know that's an amazing privilege to actually witness that. Um, and 
yeah, like that's that's actually a yeah, that's an honor and a privilege rather than rather than a duty. Mm. Well, and 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 just something to be in awe of, isn't it? You know, see Lynn at, at Northburn coming across the line and things like that. You know, using up all the all the time on the clock, um, and, and and people who do that, it's it's like you say, it's a phenomenal amount of endurance to be able to do that. For sure. Mm. Mm. You mentioned Leadville. Didn't Grant Guys do Leadville as well? Was it? Nah, nah. He did that other <laughs> little race in Colorado. But um, so so Grant, you know, like he's he's not a bad guy. But you've got to understand with Grant that he's got he's got he's got a little bit of PTSD. The fact of the matter is, he he only has the tenth fastest miler time in Christchurch. Yeah. And um, you know, he used to have the third fastest miler time in Dunedin. Now he's tenth fastest in Christchurch, and you know. He's kind of he's kind of slightly challenged from a height perspective, so he's got that that short man thing going on. But it's okay, Grant. We're not we're not judging you. You're an okay person, and in the fact that you're only tenth fastest is is okay by us. <laughs> Keep trying. Grant Keep trying. Probably Grant probably won't listen to this. Actually, it was funny because I, I've never ever had Grant say anything nice to me. But after after Northburn, he he said he said, "Oh." You've actually done a grown-up miler now. <laughs> well, that was actually quite awesome. So um, that was quite a moving event. You know, Grant <laughs> saying something nice about anyone is a, is a big deal. Grant's an amazing guy, by the way. Yeah, he is. He is. But yeah, he he um he certainly likes to give it out. But he takes it as well. So that's that's fair enough. Yeah, for yeah. sure. We've certainly got a lot of characters. But um, look. Your your love of the outdoors being led was it was it that what was led what should I spit it out was that what led to cactus and is that has that how that how did that start Yeah so so um, so Gwillem started cactus basically he was a scumbag climber that couldn't get a real job and knew how to sew because his mum was a textile artist so he made chalk bags in his bedroom and then Rob and I got involved. Soon after, I was a, um, I dropped out of school and became an electrician. Um, the only problem was that with that was that I hated being an electrician, which is a bit of a design flaw. Yeah. Um, and I was at a, I was living in a flat in Cuba Street in Wellington, and Gwillem came to a party there and said, "Hey, man, you should come down and get involved with cactus." And so um, I came down to Christchurch and got involved with cactus. But um, you know, like, yeah, I mean, I I wasn't the outdoors, and and you know, the cactus crew are all kind of outdoor people um but i sort of just kind of lucked into it it was the serendipitous thing about if we hadn't had that party and Gwilym hadn't come mm-hmm. i would probably still be an electrician hating it in wellington so um you know like life life is a weird kind of fated kind of serendipitous thing yeah yeah it is isn't it sort of those um changing doors it, it's 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 not easy being involved in manufacturing in new zealand but you guys keep on keeping on um there does seem to have been a bit of resurgence uh, post-COVID in terms of, I guess people, t- well, correct me if I'm wrong, people sort of looking towards New Zealand more. But is there a lesson in resilience being involved in manufacturing or that, that our manufacturing industry can, industries can teach us? Yeah, for sure. And it, and it would be a total cliche to draw sure. parallels between running an ultra and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and all that stuff. But, I mean, I mean totally, like, the, the you know, like a, a massive – the container ship gets trapped in the service canal and all of a sudden we can't get it our big screen TVs. You know, like this bizarre thing that we we want consumer goods, we want latest and whatever and we want to throw it out after five minutes. Like 
you know, the economic model is screwed, the world is screwed. Um, you know, Cactus isn't, from a business perspective, Cactus isn't probably a good business because it doesn't make a, you know, a shit ton of money, but um, it actually is important, like making stuff, keeping people employed, giving people some options who aren't going to be software engineers or whatever, mm-hmm. um, making a product that actually lasts a very long time um, is all really important. Yeah, COVID has, has shown how important that is. There's a long way to go, like to, to get to a point where a manufacturing company can actually be totally viable and totally sustainable on an ongoing basis in New Zealand is, is a long journey. But, you know, like Cactus, again, without wanting to be dramatic or emotive or whatever, you know, apart from the boys, Cactus is my life's work. And, you know, my my measure of success is that my grandchildren in 50 years' time uh, are still running a manufacturing business in New Zealand. Right. And, you know, if, if, if that can happen, I don't, I don't care what we get out of it financially, that's that's the success. Mm. It comes back to that, that legacy thing again, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Mm. Yeah. Yoni, what's your, what's your involvement with the family businesses? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, my first uh, memory of Cactus was visiting the factory floor as a two-year-old, maybe. Hmm. One year, I don't remember anything before that. Um, but yeah, grew up, Cactus was always sort of a little bit like home, um, especially, you know, you saw the stickers around on cars. It was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, wore, had a Cactus bag as my first backpack for my first day of school and that sort of thing. And then the opportunity sort of came back, same came as I came back to New Zealand, Um at the well, end of 2019 um, and went and worked and to be honest with you I started in the factory um, I was packing boxes and um, getting product ready to be sent over to the shop and into the warehouse and um, you know it's not not the most exciting job but you've got to start somewhere um, and you know the opportunity arose during COVID um, many don't know for those who did buy a cactus mask that was probably sent by me um hmm. i slept on the factory floor and sent masks oh thanks very much three months um yes i did i remember remember sending you one um, <laughs> two. and again or two yeah and again that um that wasn't no it's not a great time and sleeping on the floor sort of hurts your back after a week let alone three months but again it's all learning um and you know i i sort of liken it to ultra running you know you've got to you learn something at every race, you know, when something goes wrong, you sort of add it to that little memory bank of, you know, how you're going to do it differently. Mm. Um, and then yeah, now it's sort of, it's worked into, I managed their, their warehouse um, and sort of inwards and distribution um, at Cactus and yeah, just learning every day. And like, like dad said, it's, it's a business that's made up of a bunch of people who love the outdoors. Mm. Um, so it, yeah, it fits well with my, my values and, and personality. Hmm. Ben, this might be a little bit left field, but your other big love, of course, is is technology. And in a running sense, technology-wise, we've come so far. I mean, I remember when I started running, all I had was the kitchen clock to look at when I left my run, and then I'd come back and have a look at it, and that would be about it. But, you know, now we have smart watches and apps like Strava and stuff. Do you ever think about what the future holds for for running in a tech space? Yeah, so it's funny, despite like kind of living in this tech world, I'm also a little bit of a Luddite and um I really hope it doesn't it doesn't change much. I mean, yeah, there will be a better app and the elite the elite athletes will be able to plug their microchip into their virtual coach and get information. But at the end of the day, the thing that I love about running compared to biking is that, you know, the difference between a, a cashed up runner and a not so cashed up runner, other than expensive races, 
is, is nothing because the most expensive shoes are only $100 more than the cheaper shoes. Mm. You know, there's not that differentiation. So I love that simplicity of pull on a pair of shoes, shorts and a T-shirt, and everyone's the same. Um, and, you know, so much of this world is is inequitable and totally like the fact that we can pay 500 bucks to go and do a race and take a few days off and drive down. I totally get it that it's a, a first world luxury and absolutely there's diversity issues in our sport. I totally get that. But I think those are sort of systemic things rather than that the sport itself um, is exclusive because anyone who wants to run can can just run. And that's, you know, like we're both involved. Um, I know you've had the Speed Freaks, you've had Jamie Hawker and, and Speed Freaks mm. on and we're you know both involved in coaching there. And, um, you know, seeing those guys and, and again, that's a, that's a massive privilege ra- rather than a, a, a duty or whatever. But, you know, seeing someone who has who has gone through addiction, who has been in jail numerous times, who comes from an utterly dysfunctional background, um, you know, graduate from his, you know, from his program and, you know, stand up in front of a, a, a bunch of people and say, you know, running changed my life. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's a huge deal, yeah. And and running that first ultra, um, the first yeah. speed freak to do it, oh, that must have been some quite quite some mission. I mean, it was, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, A, it's quite cool doing 100K in 13 hours because it's actually, it's really awesome because you don't get really sore. It's great. Um, I mean, sorry, 75K in, in, uh, in 13 hours. Um, but just awesome. Like, you know, that was a guy who a year before did his first 10K. He was way overweight. He was pale, sweaty. He was he was a wreck. And, um, you know, like, you know, Leo's amazing. Like, you know, he's, he's he, he did the old ghost this year. Mm. He's uh, allegedly, he's going to do the, the miler at Hamner. Um, you know, like he's, I mean, he, he says he's, he's swapped a, a terrible, terrible addiction for a great one. Mm. And, um, you know, being, bearing witness to that is, is an amazing privilege. Yeah. Yeah. How, how did, how did you guys become involved in, in Speed Freaks? So there's actually a grant connection there. So so Jamie Hawker, who obviously started it, yep. um, was was going to um, go overseas and travel and, and enjoy his retirement until COVID happened. Mm. And so when he was planning on on buggering off, um, he contacted Grant and said and said, "Oh, I need to find some volunteers to do this." Um, Grant's awesome at getting people to do jobs. Um, <laughs> haven't actually seen him at a Speed Freaks event, I have to say, but you're always welcome, Grant. Um, so yeah, so so Grant reached out to a few of us, and um, there's an awesome core of sort of three or four guys, and it's really amazing. Like you've got, you know, Barrett, who's you know none of us knew beforehand, but he's this this crazy famous musician who plays all the festivals and is actually famous, yeah. but he just gets out and he's he's a runner, and, and you know, Kev and and Lee and and Jeremy, and and it's um. It's just awesome. Like it's, it's and, and, and you know the guys that are on the program, you know the, the the men in the program are always. Oh, thank you so much. We really appreciate it so much. What are you talking about? It's a Thursday afternoon. We came out for a run. This is kind of what we do. It's not that big of a deal, you know. Like it totally isn't. Mm. Um, and and that sounds like it's. I mean, I, I've always said, like I've I've been a volunteer firefighter for twenty three years, and um, and I I put quite a lot of effort and a lot of time in, but. All of you know that plus all of the voluntary stuff I do, I get more out of it 
than what I put in. And, and that's the really that's the thing that makes me sad about this changing society and and the tendency for, for people not to do voluntary stuff is that people don't realise how rewarding it is mm. to do that stuff. It's, yeah. it's just amazing. So whether it's Speed Freaks or Fire Brigade or or whatever, like all that stuff is is awesome. Mm. And it's true what you said earlier. If you if you you got something to be done, give it find a find a busy person to do it for you, isn't it? It's always yeah the, the same sort of people turning up and doing things, but you get the reward out of it. I mean, it's 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 a great thing yeah. to be doing. I mean, I'm mindful that if if we lived in South Auckland and worked eighty hours a week and had fifteen people in our sure. house, and, you know, like it, it is it is a first world luxury to yep. have to have time. Mm. Um, and and I also I have the luxury that I don't really have a day job and so I, I, I've got some time but um you know there's I, I mean my whole thing is like you know if I live to 400 I'm not going to get done the stuff that I want to do and I want to do everything and um that's that's a little bit problematic because I I kind of push myself on on into into different things but it's awesome doing stuff is awesome it doesn't matter what the stuff is it's just it's cool mm. Yoni, we've sort of banged on about your dad quite a bit tonight, but, you know, your mum's pretty amazing as well too. She's an artist and, a, and has a master's in, in fine arts. you got your brother as well. Pretty, I mean, what was it like growing up in, in the Keeps household? Uh, it was it was fun, um, but I think you would say that um, as a child of any any parents. Um, but, look, I mean, it was it was kind of installed from an, an early age into both me and, and my brother Omri, Um you know, the outdoors, um, the passion for whatever you wanted to do. You know, we, we both learned musical instruments. Um, we both uh, did a bunch of art type things, a lot of painting, a lot of drawing when we were younger, um, a lot of tramping, a lot of camping. Um, earliest memories of family holidays were, were going camping and going tramping as five and six year olds. So I think it was a, yeah, it was a, it was a sort of childhood where the outdoors was definitely valued, but, um, I think a lot of the important values that I definitely see myself today was sort of um, the seed was planted back then. Um, mm. But yeah, I couldn't think of a better a better childhood to have. To be fair, hmm. the the we sort of touched on on this as well. I wanted to take the opportunity to talk to you. Often the people we talk to and the people that trail running is oversupplied with are sort of middle aged. Uh, and 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 a lot of middle-aged men as well. Um, ben and I should be blocking our ears at this, but but what can be done to get more young people involved in in trail and ultra running, but just just more trail running in general? I mean, it's a really hard question because at the end of the day, you go to a group of two hundred sort of seventeen, eighteen-year-olds, and you say, "Do you want to come and run hundred k with me?" And I can guarantee you that <laughs> maybe two or three will say, "Yeah, I'll give it a shot." Um, but, yeah, I struggled with it as well. Um, and, you know, it was kind of hard. There was a lot of stuff online, um, a lot of stuff sort of against young people doing ultras. Yeah. Um, especially in New Zealand, there was quite a lot of stuff on, on social media about um, not just me but about other young people in, in the States and stuff doing doing that. And, um, I mean, you know, they are right. A lot of athletics, cross-country, um, middle-distance coaches jumped on and said, you know, you're too young, you shouldn't be doing this. Um and to their credit, yeah, possibly they are right. Um, we'll find out in 10 years if, if I'm in hospital getting knees and, and hips done and, you know, I, I see long-term effects. But I think at the end of the day, and my thing's always been, look, if you enjoy it and you're passionate about the outdoors, you're passionate about running, um, then go and do it. You know, life's so short that 
if you don't follow your passions, I, I feel like I'd be sitting here in 30 years time and really regretting not doing what I wanted to do because age was in the way. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, I, there's a friend of mine who I went to school with and I would have never guessed that she'd be a runner. And I, I got a message two months ago saying, actually, no, it wasn't a message. I, um, she was at a New Year's party and I got talking to her and she said, she's like, oh, yeah, I've, I've entered Christchurch Marathon. I'm training for a marathon. And, you know, this is someone who I never, you know, she's sporty and whatnot, but I think people do like the idea of, you know, pushing themselves and challenging themselves. Um, and running, you know, I get it, running's not for everyone, but um, it's definitely, you know, like Dad said, it's quite a pure sport. You know, you just need a pair of shoes to go out and run and you sort of get into your own mind. Um, so, yeah, I don't think there is actually a way to get more young people into the sport, mm. um, but I think that... There are opportunities and young people are, especially trail running, um, not so much ultra running, but trail running people really love bush and, and getting out in the mountains. So mm. time will tell. I think more young people will get into it. Did that sound like a middle-aged busybody question? No, I mean, I get it. I get it fairly, you know, fairly often. But it's really nice because I think regardless of the age, again, we come back to this sort of culture, people are supportive and, yeah. you know, people are going to be, good people about that stuff regardless it doesn't yeah. matter if you're 20 it doesn't matter if you're 60 it doesn't matter what distance you're doing people are just people yeah. at the end of the day that's the most important thing isn't it yeah absolutely absolutely and and lots of that sort of criticism and 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 um you know sort of questioning of you i imagine would have been from from non-runners people who don't understand or or you know don't get it really um whereas like you say if you're loving what you're doing then what's wrong with that Probably um, a lot was also from the like the athletics, the old school yes. kind of yep. athletics people. But mm. I think the thing that um, you know, like running, running is just yeah, running. But as as a as a father, what I observe is that um, you know he only has this whole bunch of people around him. You know the you know the, the hombres, um, you know people like Martin, Ruth's Ruth's partner, mm. Phil. You know there's there's these amazing people. You know sumo. Who are who are all mentors to him, and so for a young person um, to be to be surrounded by these incredible professional, you know, talented people, who you know, a regard him as an equal, but also uh, you know uh, are, are on that same journey with him. Like that's yeah, that's an awesome awesome opportunity. And so mm. as, as a as parent, like I'm, you know, I feel blessed that we've chosen a sport that means that, you know, my lad gets this amazing group of people around him. Mm. I think also in terms of inspiration, um, you know, you can, you know, as a young person, you look up to people and you can be inspired by the likes of Jim Wormsley and Killian and, and whatnot. And I'm not going to say that I, I'm not inspired by, by them, but I think as a young person, or me personally, I'm also inspired by the journeys that people go on. Um, and so, yes, yeah, Sumo Scotty's yep. a brilliant example of someone who, you know, three or four years ago, probably would have never thought about running the old ghost. Um, and, you know, if you've met Scott, he's, he's just a good guy. Like he's, mm. um, you know, I, I had no idea who he was before I met him through running. I didn't realize, you know, his, his work um, on TV and his, his reporting and whatnot. But for me, just seeing him, you know, I listened to your podcast with him and hearing his story. Like that's, that's an amazing, yeah. amazing thing to go through, you know, from, never putting running shoes on, never dreaming of doing, you know, 1K and then running the old ghost. And now he's like doing an ultra every, every few months. Like he's, he's a proper ultra runner now. Mm. Um, that's really inspiring. Like that does mean a lot as a young person. Yeah. And those people should be proud of it. Yeah, absolutely. And and how cool too for a sport that you can do it together, the two of you. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'll get all emotional. So I'll let, I'll let Ollie say something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Dad always sort of goes on about um, how, you know, age age does, does cause some issues here because um, eventually he is going to slow down and um, I will get touch faster. But, um, you know, the last two years, I've definitely felt that we've done a lot of races together. We've finished a few races together. And I think that's really special. Um, and so it's a journey and it's a journey of, I would say that it's a journey of, of him coaching me with running the last five or six years have definitely been. Um, but yeah, it's, there's not many sports where you can, uh, you can run with your dad for, for 80 to hundred K and hundred mm-hmm. miles. And, and yeah. And, and I think about like Scotty and Jamie and, um, you know, like um, I look at the pride on Jamie's face when, you know, Scotty does these amazing things, you know, all around the world. And, um, you know, that will be me one day and I'm not going to be able to run as fast as, as Yoni or whatever. But, um, mm. you know, like, again, the legacy thing, it's like, you know, I'm a sad old um, broken, you know, um, injured piece of shit. Um, but but I help in some little part make, you know, the next generation of, of awesome runners. So, mm. yeah, I've got to kind of take comfort from that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've, you've mentioned it several times, legacy, and, and you're very big on it. But what do you want your legacy in running and trail running to be, Ben? Oh, um, that's a big question. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, kind of, I, I, I sort of think I do a lot of other stuff, which is around legacy trail, trail runnings, a slightly selfish thing for me, I guess, like um, in that, you know, I, I, I don't know if there is a legacy so much. I mean, I think I, I'd like, you know, more people to do it. I'd like to think that, um, you know, the old ghost, which is kind of a real passion, um, becomes even more financially sustainable and viable because I, you know, get all emotional and talk to people about that. Um, but, you know, like I'm I'm way too average to think that I could have any legacy in running. So um, that's kind of my slightly selfish, I just do it for fun and, sure. and I'll let Yoni be the legacy. Yeah, well, I guess the guy next to you is part, part of it. So, Look, yeah. I don't know how you guys have uh, – have you guys discussed how you're going to deal with the last question that we ask everyone on on this podcast? Because you could go a couple of ways. You could give me different answers or you could give a, a joint answer, but I'll, I'll just pop it out there. But Ben and Yoni Keeps, what is your greatest run ever? You go first, Yoni. Oh, I was going to say, you go first. Um, oh, that's a tricky one. I think, to be honest um, – Dad will know this is coming, but I think Old Ghost 2020 uh, would be um, would be my greatest run ever. You know, it was I'd been overseas. I hadn't run an ultra for since the hundred miles the year before, so it was like a year and a half. I got pretty scared of ultra running, and I had um, I dreamed up this crazy idea that I was going to run sub nine, and you know, if I ran eight fifty nine, that'd be incredible. And and uh, a lot of my running buddies sort of said, Nah, nah, there's no way, there's no way. Um, you know, it's not happening, and um, I did some training and I was like, yeah, I was, you know, just a little bit confident. I put it out there. I said, yes, I know it'd be quite good. And it was just one of those days where, you know, I got to run with dad. He knows the course pretty well. And, um, you know, you get to halfway and it's like, you know, I've run a marathon, but I'm feeling pretty good and things just fall into place. Nutrition goes well. And, um, yeah, it wasn't quite, well, it wasn't just 8.59. It was sort of 20 minutes faster than that. So, um, yeah, it was the day that I dreamed of. Um, and obviously there's dreams one day to, you know, time 
is sort of irrelevant, but it's that day when everything feels good and everything feels and falls into place. And yeah, I got to spend eight, eight and a half hours running with dad. So yeah, uh, it would definitely be up there with the yeah, greatest run ever. Those days are worth bottling, aren't they? What about you, Ben? Yeah, so I mean, like, um, you know, winning things and podiums and 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 kind of times that that you don't think you're capable of are, are awesome. But I am also mindful that I am old and slow and sad and broken, and so those things are fleeting. And so, um, you know, like I will I will revert back to a um, a, a legacy, a running legacy. And it's funny that brought, that you only brought it up before because you know, and Sally Law is is one of the most beautiful people in the world and I always remember her being really concerned that there was no way that 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 Yoni could do this high five O challenge. And it was, you know, it was 45, 50k, some serious really technical, a lot of it was no trail. And um, you know, that day there were a bunch of people that started the run, um, but there were four people that did the full circuit, including getting up Devil's Ramparts, Melor himself, um, Marty Lukes, who is an absolute legend, legend myself, yeah. Yoni. Wow. And um and I think, you know, in terms of legacy, that was the day that maybe, you know, the Kiwi running community or whatever kind of saw the potential that I'd always see. So, um, yeah. He's, he's getting emotional. Okay. Now. <laughs> <laughs> so this is an age thing. You get emotional easily. Um, but, yeah, I think that, um, that was really special. I mean, there's, lot, there's been lots of races that have gone well, but, but in terms of my legacy, that was when that was kind of the unveiling of, of, of the next generation. Brilliant. Hey, well, thank you so, so much, you two. I know you lead extremely busy lives, so we really appreciate you taking this time to to catch up and, and, and share so much. Um, and you, you give so much already. So so thank you to you both. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity and invitation. Yeah, there you go. Ben and Yoni Keeps. Do you think Granite Guys will listen to that? And if he does, do you think he'll plot his revenge somehow? So I know two things. Grant only listens to climbing podcasts and he doesn't really run anymore. He's a cyclist. Now. He's a cyclist, mm-hmm. so probably off the hook there. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, hey, thank you to you two, um, Ben and Yoni. That was uh, like, yeah, a, um, an emotional chat. And I actually messaged Ben the next day and said, you know what? I've been thinking about that conversation a lot today, mm. uh, which is always a good sign, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. You know? When you come away from it thinking, gosh, mm. I mean, is there anything mm. you know having that kind of emotional oomph is important but look yeah. thank you ben thank you yoni I'm, I'm very sorry i missed that conversation um and, but thank you just all. means we have to do it again yeah damn right thank you all very much for tuning in and we're on social media at dirt church radio you can email us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com you can find us on all the podcast platforms like and subscribe if you fancy and you can download direct from the website which is dirtchurchradio.com don't forget to write in with your greatest run ever. We'd love to hear from you, and you can read them on the website too. And thanks to our sponsor, Scott Running, for the faster spring energy and CLE. Thank you to our Patreon patrons and Wild Things. Thank you to our editor, Kieran. And we've got a great show lined up next week, so tune in then. Kakite. Kakite. Thanks, Rigby. <laughs>